Hello and welcome to the latest installment of CFA Institute's Take 15 video series. I'm Bob Danhauser with the CFA Institute staff and I'm very pleased to be with Elizabeth Ostrander from Intelligent Edge Advisors today. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. And we're going to talk today about innovations in managing concentrated single stock equity positions in portfolios. Elizabeth, it seems the classic way that you find these in portfolios is an executive who's amassed a lot of stock as part of an executive compensation plan and gets ready to retire and finds that they have a portfolio just chock full of one name. Is that the typical um, example that you see, or are there other ways that uh, people accumulate single stock positions? Sure. Well, that's certainly one of the more common situations we see. There are also investors who sell their private businesses to publicly traded companies in exchange for stock or a combination of cash and stock, as well as investors who may have inherited large single stock positions from loved ones. And of course, there are good investors who have seen one of their investments appreciate significantly. And are there factors that cause people to really want to hang on to those positions beyond the investment merits of the position? Certainly. There are a number of, of reasons folks hold on to, to their positions. In some cases, they are simply bullish about the stock. They believe in its upside potential and want to, want to participate in that future appreciation. Uh, in other cases, they may be deterred by the tax implications of selling, mm -hmm. particularly if their cost basis in those shares is very low, uh, could, could uh, prefer to hold the shares until death to achieve the step up. Uh, and uh, in other cases, as in the case of uh, affiliates or insiders, they may be restricted from selling or, or reluctant to sell, even if they can, uh, due to the optics. Right. And so as an advisor, when these people come to us for advice and counsel, obviously we're interested in mitigating the risks of such a large position in their portfolio. What have been some of the classic approaches to risk management? Sure. Well, first and foremost, equity derivatives, such as puts, calls, collars, prepaid variable forwards, permutations thereof, have been the typical tools folks have used to hedge or monetize these concentrated positions. Uh, over the past several years, though, they have become much more expensive. So while historically they've been used to achieve longer-term strategic protection, today they're almost exclusively being used on a shorter-term, more tactical basis mm -hmm. or to generate additional income on their position. Uh, and, and in the U.S. in recent years, there's certainly been an uptick in the use of exchange funds uh, for investors who are looking to diversify out of their positions entirely. Uh, but for investors who are interested in maintaining continued ownership of their positions on a longer-term basis, uh, right now, you know, historically, they could have, could have used those equity derivatives to affordably manage that downside risk. Uh, but these days, uh, we see sometimes them just trying to chip away at those positions over time, uh, perhaps doing some loss harvesting to offset the gain on the sale of those shares, um, perhaps using an exchange fund for some portion of their position, but in many cases, still holding on to a, a sizable amount of naked, unhedged shares, simply because it's difficult to justify the cost of rolling puts over an extended period of time to manage that risk. Right. Sounds very opportunistic rather than strategic. Exactly. So you've had some experience with a more innovative approach, the, the so-called stock protection fund. Tell us about that. Yes. So the stock protection fund is a new risk management strategy 
that was specifically designed to provide longer-term downside risk reduction uh, for investors who have concentrated positions, would like to reduce that risk on the downside, uh, but don't want to cap their upside or relinquish ownership of their shares. And it is a really nice complement to the tools that we just discussed uh, because it basically fills that long-term downside protection-only gap. It satisfies that specific need in a much more affordable manner than one would otherwise be able to using those more traditional tools. And it does so by integrating uh, the concept of risk pooling or risk mutualization from the insurance world with that of modern portfolio theory. The idea that if you were to look at the total return performance of a diverse group of stocks over an extended period of time, you would see something that resembled a normal distribution. You'd have some large gains and losses, the tails of that bell curve, and a larger number of smaller gains and losses. And so what this strategy entails is bringing together 20 a diverse, a diverse group of 20 investors, each of whom has a concentrated position in a distinct in a distinct stock, excuse me, in a distinct industry, who are all interested in protecting the same dollar value of stock. And each of those investors contributes cash, can be thought of as a premium, equal to about 2% of the notional value of stock they're looking to protect per annum. So it's a five-year strategy, that 2% per year times five makes for a 10% cash contribution. All 20 investors pool that cash into a trust. That cash is then invested very conservatively in U.S. Treasuries with a duration uh, matched to that, that term with as close to a five-year maturity as possible. And at the end of that five-year term, that cash is then returned to those investors, first to reimburse those of the 20 whose positions have sustained a loss on a total return basis at the end of that five-year term. And then any excess cash remaining is returned to those investors as well, beginning with those who have not yet received a distribution, meaning those whose positions did not sustain a loss. And so in, in, based on extensive back testing, that's what's going to happen 70% of the time. There's going to be more than enough cash to fully reimburse all losses and to send back some excess cash, reducing the cost of protection. In the remaining 30% of the time, the aggregate losses sustained by those investors, the value of those, that, that aggregate loss will exceed the value of the cash pool. So there won't be sufficient cash to fully reimburse all 20 investors. And in that case, the cash is distributed such that the investor with the worst loss is first reimbursed to the extent of the investor with the second worst loss. Together, they each receive a distribution to reduce their loss to that of the investor with the third worst loss and so on and so forth until that cash pool is exhausted, at which point a maximum loss level is established, which can be thought of almost as a put strike in the sense that if the maximum loss level were established to be 5%, it would be as if all 20 investors on day one had purchased a five-year European exercise put mm -hmm. struck at 95%. At the end of that five-year term, anyone with a loss greater than 5% would have their loss reduced to the 5% loss level. Anyone with a loss of less than 5% or without a loss would not receive a distribution in that scenario. And so what you end up with is protection that's very similar to that of an at-the-money or slightly out-of-the-money put over a longer-term period of time for a much more affordable price, a fraction of the cost of 
what you would pay if you were to achieve similar put protection or similar protection using puts. So you mentioned that um, this is based on, on sort of a tenet of modern portfolio theory to diversify the idiosyncratic risks. And by limiting participation to unique industry groups, you're trying to um, create um, the, the runway for that diversification to, to work. How about when markets are really stressed? Um, so I know you've got some practical experience with, a, with an actual stock protection fund that went into uh, formation just in 2006 before the global financial crisis. Yes, and that series actually ran from June 2006 through June 2011, so right through the financial crisis. And at the height of the financial crisis, it was interesting to see at a time when you would think all stocks would go down in unison, there actually still was quite a bit of dispersion among the returns in those, those positions. And at the end of the day, there was still more than enough cash to fully reimburse all losses. So everyone was made whole and excess cash was returned, reducing the cost of protection significantly such that all 20 investors had the equivalent of at the money put protection during that five-year period through the financial crisis for 1.38% per annum, which in and of itself is is an attractive price, but remarkable when you consider what the cost would have been for those those same investors to go out and try to achieve that same level of protection by purchasing puts during the, the financial crisis. Thank you, Elizabeth. That's really interesting. It's nice to see another innovation that people can use in advising clients with this increasingly common situation of having a concentrated position in their portfolio. It's certainly another tool in the toolbox, which is, which is great. Um, Elizabeth and her colleague uh, Tom Bosar at Intelligent Edge have written a good paper that describes the Stock Protection Fund in a little bit more detail. You can find that on their website. It's intelligentedge.com with a hyphen between intelligent and edge. So intelligent-edge.com for a copy of that paper. Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much. Copyright 2017, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.